You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of The Essential Apple Podcast. Hello listeners and welcome to The Essential Apple Podcast uh, and this week Uncle Tim made a joke after Donald Trump uh, messed up his name and uh, basically changed his Twitter handle to Tim Apple. Uh, the US Senator Elizabeth Warren wants to break up big tech companies. Uh, the German teen hacker has relented and given Apple the secret to his keychain hack. Uh, the Google Zero Day group have found a vulnerability and dubbed it the buggy cow. Uh, and Zuck has claimed that Facebook wants to change and had a dig at Apple to boot. Uh, to talk about all of this, I am joined by Buy All The Things and Mac To The Future Go livecast host, uh, Warren Sklar. Welcome to the show, Warren. Hey, Simon. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's not a problem. It's great. It's great to be back. Great to be back. Very good. Well, um... I guess we should start with the big Apple story of the week, Warren. Uh, Tim Cook is now Tim Apple on Twitter after Donald Trump messed his name up. Well, I, I thought that was very good, actually. Very, um, very clever. Very subtle. Um, and of course, it's not Great. Tim Apple, is it? It's Tim uh, Apple, Apple emoji, Apple logo emoji. Mm -hmm. um, yes, very, uh, very subtle. Um and I did notice uh, after he did that, there were some other tech people picked up on the joke and uh, followed his lead. Um, unfortunately, I should have bookmarked them, but I didn't. Uh, the only one I can uh, track down now is the CEO of Box, who has similarly changed his name um, and uh, replaced his surname with uh, a Box logo, the Box emoji. <laughs> but there were some others. I saw some others. Um, there we are. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was... Uh... Some people are saying that he did it on purpose, uh, Trump, because he did it, I guess, a year ago with somebody else. Uh, but there's no way, no way he did it on purpose. That this was a, this was a Trump thing to do, and it was brilliant. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so that gave us all a good laugh. Anyway, that gave us all a good laugh. That one. Um, and it's all over the web. It's absolutely everywhere. Everybody started uh, having a go about it. So there we are. Um, this week, uh, Apple released their thirteenth uh, supplier. Was it supplier responsibility um, report? Which uh, I have to say was very good. Um, massive improvements in um, you know uh, reduction in underage working, uh, bonded labour, um, lots lots of other good things. Uh, it's the Supplier Responsibility Progress Report, apparently. Um, child labour has been cut down to uh, one underage worker uh, who was found to be a 15-year-old who'd faked his ID to get a job. Um, 
they have uh i believe they found only 287 uh workers who were you know in effect uh had paid to get a job and then had to work that uh, debt off um 287 is still too many obviously but uh i believe a few years ago that was sort of uh in the thousands so massive reduction there um overall very good um it's you know i think it's good i think it's good that apple uh you know produced this report the only um downside of course is it's it's self-reported so we have to take their word for it but um i think it's you know very good of them I... yeah they um you know a couple of years ago the press was pretty hard on it there was you know a lot of child labor a lot of bad working conditions they there was even a story that they had to install a uh some kind of net outside the building from people you know jumping off of it to, to prevent yeah they um in one of the factories yes i believe they had to install one of those anti-jumping nets like they put in prisons to stop people jumping off the um exactly off the roof or whatever um but tim yeah tim is that's that's his background so you know that's one of the areas where you would hope to see this kind of improvement um in supply chain and conditions so it's it's not a bad thing and uh you know people still will complain about you know the working conditions and Apple uses this kind of uh, this kind of labor and you know bring to America, but you know it's it's easier said than done to do all that. And uh, you know if the interim solution is to improve the conditions there and you know make that country's employees healthier and happier, then you know it's a start. Yeah, I mean I think what a lot of people uh, tend to forget is that. Um... That these factories, you know, in Shenzhen, Foxconn, and and the other companies, um, they might not pay particularly well by you know Western standards, but um, locally, you know, they pay very well. Um, people, you know, it's not like people are being forced to go there. People are very, very keen to get jobs there. Particularly, um, young people are often very keen to go there because they can earn relatively. You know, they while they live in dormitories and eat in you know, communal canteens and whatnot, and maybe that's not fantastic, they can earn proportionately a very large amount of money. Um, so, you know, it's proportionate. And they've got a chart in this report, by the way, um, by Apple's own standards in 2014, it says here 14% of their supply chain was considered to be uh, of a, you know, poor standard by Apple standards. Um, 26% were considered to be high performing uh last year 76 percent are considered to be uh high quality and only one percent were found to be uh low performing which i mean i take to mean below apple's uh standards so there we go that's a, a good uh if that's you want good. yeah that's a pretty good improvement i mean that's that's down so uh, yeah apple will still you know tim cook still likes to do that artificial low availability trick um <laughs> when new products come out and that's something people were hoping he would fix but nope that's 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 the trick to get people to want it more is make very few units available on launch for a product that people want and uh you know make people want it more well that's that's just marketing that's <laughs> that's yeah, all yeah. part that's all part of the social engineering of marketing isn't it that is um 
There we go. Um, what else is in here? There's a piece about environmental gains. Uh, Apple continues to make big progress. The company says all of its final assembly parts for the iPhone, the iPad, the Mac, the Apple Watch, the AirPods, and the HomePod are now zero waste to landfill, which is pretty good. Um, and they claim to have reduced greenhouse gas emissions in the supply chain by more than 46,000 annualized metric tons. Oh. Is... I think that ties into the buggy cow story. Yep. Um, <laughs> yes. Thirty of their suppliers have apparently made a commitment to going a hundred percent renewable energy for making Apple products. Um, that's up a, from a handful and uh, a big deal. Uh, Apple powers its offices and stores with a hundred percent green energy. Um, but the supply chain, which accounts for the car company's carbon footprint, continues to lag. Well, yeah, because that's not directly under Apple's uh, control per se. Um, there we go. So that was their that was their report. Um, link to that uh, on Cult of Mac in the show notes. Although I'm sure uh, you can find it other places. Um, what else? Oh, uh, Federico Vitici of Mac Stories. Uh, released 153 shortcuts for use in the Apple's uh, shortcuts app if you're a if you're a user of the uh, shortcuts app uh, are you a shortcuts user Warren um here and there I I look through these uh lists of apps and the one I really want is not here is um I want I want one that's going to message my son every 10 minutes to do his homework <laughs> and uh, I, I tried to make one myself, but I can't get it to trigger every 10 minutes. So uh, right now, if I do a, uh, I made a series shortcut that just says homework. So I say, if I say, hey, S word homework, it will message him to do his homework exclamation point. But I need to figure out a way to make it happen every 10 minutes. But other than that, yeah, <laughs> other and maybe a serious suggestion on his phone to do his homework. So, you know, it's got, it's got potential. So, <laughs> um, but other than that, I, I've, I've played around with it. You know, there's not a lot I've done with them, but in, it's certainly interesting to, to play around with it. It's gotten more involved. You can do more things every day, which is great. So, yeah. Um, I, I must admit, I'm not, I've not really even dabbled with it. I don't, um, I don't really do anything at the moment that I really feel I need to automate or, or shortcut. Um, however, Fred, Frederico is, of course, uh, heavily into uh, relying almost purely on his iPad and he's uh, very heavily into Apple scripting and shortcuts and all sorts of automation. Um, just, and... a couple, just a couple of websites out there as well. I don't, you know, we could probably find some that will also have uh, shortcuts uh, that you could... Uh get from those websites uh so there there's repositories now people start you know putting their shortcuts on different websites and uh and um and i think in the shortcuts app there's also people submitting their shortcuts there too so they're kind of all over the place if you want to play around with them yep yep uh i, I believe so but anyway uh frederico has um created an archive uh, and he is giving away uh, 150 shortcuts that he has devised for his own use i guess uh, link in the show notes of course um this one is um this one is uh i did i had um 
hadn't heard much about this one, which is the the teenage um, security researcher slash hacker who uh, said that he'd found uh, a vulnerability a vulnerability that allay, allowed him to uh, create an app which would steal passwords from your keychain um, has relented and uh, says. Um, that he has given Apple the secret to that hack um, and dropped his call for payment um, and said that he would merely like an explanation regarding the lack of a Mac OS bug bounty program. Um, The only link I could find for this was on Apple Insider, to be honest. Um, Basically, he said that uh, this is too important to keep to himself. Um, I have to say, realistically... I think Apple have to count themselves fairly lucky that um, he is... Oh, his name's, his name is Linus Hens. Um, I have decided to submit my keychain exploit to Apple, even though they did not react, as it is very critical and because the security of Mac OS users is important to me. I have sent them the full, full details, including a patch, for free. There we go. Um, there we are. Uh, so good on him, I guess. Um well, yeah, the only thing I want to say about that is, you know, what he says is a security viral, you know, vulnerability may or may not be. So, I mean, Apple hasn't said anything and he hasn't really, he released some kind of video about ha- having it happen. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people will, you know, a lot of people think that there's a problem with software and, then, you know, in the, in the end of it, it's either maybe a specific issue with his system or user issue. I mean, I'm not saying it is, but, you know, you never know. It could be. And that's what a lot of these Mac vulnerabilities are these things discovered, you know, discovered by security researcher in blah, blah country. It's not like, you know, it's not like something that, you know, it's out in the wild. It's not like the, the average person is seeing it with the only exception of the FaceTime bug that came out. Um, most of these articles that you read, are like that it's very it's very generic and it's basically a security researcher found something that will you know affect this on a mac and you know then you never really hear about it again um but in any case yeah it's it's good that he tried to get apple to you know to to respond to his you know requests and you know it it makes him look it puts him in a better light that he uh decided to go ahead and share anyways and hopefully he gets something for that. Yeah, um, I, I, I guess um, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's shared it with Apple, um, which is good. I, I do think it would not do Apple any harm if it turns out, you know, they don't have to tell anybody about how it was done or whatever. But I think if, um, if it turned out, you know, after their examination that they considered it is a genuine, you know, dangerous vulnerability that he's shown them how to patch that perhaps they ought to give him something. Um, it is very strange that there's no bug bounty for Mac and yet there is for iOS. That's still something that, that baffles is, me. Yeah. <laughs> it just baffles me, that one. Def- definitely. Yeah. I had no reason why other than iOS is more popular, I guess, but or maybe it was just something that was introduced after around when iOS came out and they just didn't backtrack it. But yeah, it's, it's, it is strange. Yeah. I've, I've heard a few people postulate that there's no, you know, maybe there's no Mac uh, bug bounty because, you know, back in the day, Apple were promoting that like there's no need for a bug bounty because there are no bugs in Mac OS, but 
Um, mm. if, that, yeah, okay. <laughs> if that's true, it's a bit out of date now and about time they, uh, you know, about time they did something about that. Um, and following on from that, actually, Warren, there is the buggy cow. Um, this, I, this is on uh, Business Insider um, and relates to what you were laughing about earlier. This is the, the Google uh, Zero Day group. Um, they're, what are they called? They're actually called Project Zero, I believe. Uh, Project Zero. Yeah. They uh, uncovered a Mac OS security flaw um, and named it Buggy Cow uh, because it uh, exploits the copy on write. Uh, um, they have uncovered a rare security flaw for Apple's computer operating system, Mac OS. Uh, Google's team uncovered the previously undisclosed bug um, and gave Apple 90-day deadline to fix it before going public. Apple did not respond after 94 days, and the team posted it in the exploit in a forum post, uh, nicknamed Buggy Cow. Um, Apple then promptly fixed it. Um, some people are kind of implying that Apple weren't doing anything about it because they couldn't be bothered and then when Google went public with it, oh perhaps we better fix that. I'm not sure about that. I'm I'm not sure. Um I mean copy on right is pretty deep down in the in the stack. So I'm not sure that that's something you could fix with a you know five minute patch. Um there we are. It's fixed yeah. now. Um I didn't actually realize that I, I knew they had the 90 days uh, deadline, but I didn't actually, uh, I didn't read that they actually revealed it. Uh, and again, I'm looking at the, the reveal of it and it's, as you said, it's, it's way down into the, uh, into the file system. And I'm sure again, you know, I'll say it again, but you know, it's a, what is it? It's a very minor a rare, with rare security researchers find a rare Mac security flaw. Again, it's one of these things that uh, you know people in lab code in some foreign country discover something in the code that doesn't really affect anybody or hasn't affect anybody. So again, it's. Uh... I find, of course, a lot of these things, the headlines often, you know, security. I mean, no vulnerability is good, but then again, no code, no code is exempt from, you know having bugs in it um also quite often these things are you know revealed as if they're huge i mean there's obviously some flaw in the implementation of copy on write which i guess means it could be exploited but you know it's all i mean yeah it's all relative i mean windows windows computers you know thousands of windows computers get infected daily and that you know thousands of them are having their data encrypted by ransomware every day and you know there's no yeah that's not a headline anymore because it's it happens all the time it's not, it's not news but you know one possible rare security flaw that nobody experienced that was discovered that's a headline so it's <laughs> it's relative <laughs> it's all yes it's all, all proportional um so uh scott uh Scott uh, Wilsey, uh, I sent this one uh, to me. Um, Wired have a story about a clever tool which makes use of Apple's video game logic engine to protect Macs. Um, and this was he found this on Wired. Uh, this was intriguing, actually. Um, basically, uh, the developers have um, have exploited the uh, the power of of the uh, gameplay kit um, to. To, to build a, a kind of um, monitoring 
at all. Uh, rather than relying, you know, on a simple list of, uh, you know, uh, malware or whatever. Um, Game Plan is a tool that watches for potentially suspicious events on Macs and flags them for humans to investigate. Um, it, it, yeah, I just thought it was a, a, a good bit of, um, you know, out-of-the-box thinking, effectively. Um, as he says here, the Gameplay Kit takes care of evaluating events and spinning out actions. In Pac-Man, by default, the ghosts are hunting the Pac-Man, so that's a rule. If Pac-Man eats a power pellet, the ghosts then run away. That's a rule. So realise that Apple has done all the hard work, uh, work for us in the game logic engine. And this can also be used to efficiently process events on the system to spit out a warning. Um, yeah, so as a sort of um, sideways thinking, um, you know. It's, it's been done now. It's been done before. <laughs> uh, war, war games in 1984 it was done <laughs> with a uh, associated gameplay with the computer behavior and uh, tic-tac-toe and nuclear weapons and all that good stuff so yeah. see, it, it actually seems similar like the, the theory is definitely similar to what that movie kind of you know in, in a loose sense kind of, mm. kind of kind of took into uh, as far as uh, how thinking uh, is uh kind of learned thinking of a computer the first ai i guess you know i mean as the bloke uh what's he say here um basic security compliance is not very sexy but it's one of the things that it's really important to know um yeah i i just thought it was an interesting way of going about it what he's, he's saying you know apple have built this game um you know this game logic uh kit in into the mac and uh Basically, you can use that as an engine to to write uh, software, you know, system monitoring software, which is a clever way of going about it, I guess. One of those one of those kind of things where somebody has just had a, you know, has been struck with a eureka moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your imagination is the limit. He notes that it is easy for both uh, digital and game plan users to write their own rules or combine rules into rule packs, which customers could choose to deploy on their systems. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not actually, you know, not suggesting that this be uh, packaged as a, um, a consumer uh, product. I think it's uh, aimed more at um, corporate and uh, security, you know, monitoring companies. But uh, I, yeah, uh, Scott found that, and uh, I, I thought that was a, a very clever use of um, exploiting something Apple have built for a completely different reason. Um, there we are. Yeah, definitely. Ming Chi Kuo, uh, I don't normally follow his stuff, but um, he has claimed um, in a piece that he has a good idea how um, Apple's purported smart glasses are going to work. Um, he says here that uh, Apple's first augmented glass, uh, uh, reality glasses will rely on the iPhone in order to work. Um, sorry, Ming, but I could have... Uh, I could have predicted that. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't take a great deal of insider knowledge to figure that one out. Um, he claims that the headset could go into mass production as soon as uh, Q4 2019, or as late as Q2 2020. Well, okay, coming soon. <laughs> um, not not here yet. Coming soon. Coming soon. Um, according to him. The iPhone will handle the heavy lifting when it comes to the computing, rendering, and internet connectivity, 
while the headset itself will serve as a display for integrating digital imagery into the real world. Um, to be honest, I've been saying that for a, a year or more, um, other than um, he's apparently got a good record of predicting stuff. I don't see anything special about that prediction. Um, right. I, well, yeah, go ahead. It, you know, I've, I've been a big um, believer that Apple will produce some AR glasses. Um, most people who've listened to me know that I'm a big uh, proponent of that being the next big thing. But also, I, I've, I've said several times, Apple won't go there in the usual manner until they can produce something that doesn't look stupid. Nobody, <laughs> yep. you know, nobody wants yep. to go around looking like a Borg or... Um, with one of those huge, like looking like they've got bloody safety goggles on, the sort of things okay. they made you wear in uh, chemistry at school. Um, there we go. I have a yeah, I, I have a Oculus Go. Um, so I mean, the difference there, there's two ways to do it as far as the, the, the VR headset is. One is like the Oculus Go, which has most of the, uh, or it doesn't require. An external device it has the actual android operating system built into it it's a standalone device uh whereas other vr sets either connect to a, a windows computer or something similar that does a processing and then it's mainly a display uh so i you know that's what minchiquo is kind of saying that is going to be the second uh, yeah. the latter one um but you know the watch was you know the Apple Watch was also the same thing where everything kind of happened on the phone at first and then it kind of opened it up where you could actually start installing things directly onto the watch. So eventually that's where they want to get to where you know the 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 glasses contain most of the computing uh, to do what you need to do without the need of something else. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I'm as I, I've said it before too is. Uh, Apple and Samsung and whoever is going to find whatever way they can find to physically uh, attach a screen to your brain, uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever, the, whatever they need to do to get their content and their devices in front of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're going to do. And uh, this is uh, the next logical step. So uh, should be interesting. Uh, should be interesting. That's it. Yeah. I'm, you know, like, the thing is, you do have these two different levels, which I think is really important to distinguish. You've got you've got your VR, you know, like your Oculus Go and and or Rift and and various other things, um, which are designed to be completely immersive, aren't they? You know, an ideal for for gaming or um, you know teaching scenarios or the one that they displayed. Um, uh, at, at one of the keynotes where the, they had the um, 3D game development, which they showed where, yeah. you know, where the developer puts on a full a full-on VR um, rig and then can effectively be inside their own 3D game as they develop it. And that is a, a really interesting technology, but I think it's it's suited very much to vertical markets or very specific um niches mm -hmm. I, yeah I, no i see it yeah definitely yeah vr 
uh, VR is a, it's an immersive system. Um, movies, you know, is also good on there too. But AR is going to be more for integrating that with real life, and you know, the the uses are going to be hopefully is going to be very uh, uh, work oriented. Uh, you know, they're talking about factory workers. You know, using it to see. Uh, when they're working to see diagrams, things like that. You know, you could see it for doctors who are using it to look at notes or something or, you know, whatever, to not take your eyes off what you're doing. Um, but, you know, that that's the goal, to have these things on your face and to actually be doing things in the real, real world and to have something that, you know, uh, that uh, increases your knowledge or, or notifications of what you need to be doing uh, in front of your face without taking your uh, eyes off what you're doing. So that's, that's the, uh, I think that's what, you know, that's going to be the killer app for it. It's basically, uh, you know, for, for working environments rather than entertainment. It's not going to be a gaming console. It's oh, not no. going to be, it's not going to be a movie console like uh, VRs. Uh, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a work and life assisting device yeah so i I think it's um as i as i've always imagined it i'll be honest i've always imagined it to be um you know the the sort of typical sci-fi heads up display kind of um assistive um technology so yeah i mean the most obvious one is you know directions uh rather than being on your phone you know you can literally see the you know the arrows you know telling you follow this path um notes yep. being, being able to call up notes or or whatever uh as you say so um i think that's going to be a really big thing Pe- people you know a lot of people are still poo-pooing it but then again people poo-pooed the smartwatch or even the smartphone i i really do think it's going to be a very big thing but it won't be a yep. big thing until the technology can um can not look stupid and also can manage basically at least eight hours a day um which i'm pretty sure is why uh he's saying you know it, it will be powered by the phone to begin with because otherwise you'd never get the battery life i mean for work and specific work principles i, I could see it being there where you know it, because you wouldn't necessarily have to get all day life out of them would you you know for specific tasks but um right, right. I'm, I'm pretty sure the long-term goal is to produce something that has all day battery life and um also yeah as i say it doesn't make you look like a borg <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah even though uh you know a couple of years ago people wearing apple watches were seen as kind of too so you know now it's sort of the norm so we we adjust you know uh life life adjusts to it and if they look crazy and but you know they look stupid and all of a sudden everybody starts wearing them then they don't look so stupid sort of the same with the uh, airpods you know when we all started you know first started wearing the airpods and we were the first ones uh which i love uh, i love mine but when i first started wearing them People would say they look stupid. My wife would say they look stupid. But now you see them more and more, and they don't look so stupid anymore because you know it's you know technology drives fashion, and you know what seems abnormal at first starts to be normal. Well, yeah, my take on that is, for example, go all you've got to do is go on Amazon and look at um, you know wireless uh, earbuds 
and see how many cheap, uh, you know, it, types of earbuds you get, which are designed to look almost exactly like Apple's uh, yep. <laughs> AirPods, sure. to the point sure. that many of them, you think, how do you get away with this? That is most blatantly a ripoff of the AirPods. <laughs> And I if, guess Apple made, if Apple made uh, AR glasses, you would bet that Amazon would have the same kind of a thing going on there. Yeah. Uh, would rip off uh, Apple AR looking crappy devices out there. So yeah, there you cheap, go. Cheap shoddy copies. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, pretty much the end of the. Uh, Apple stories for now. Uh, Microsoft has confirmed that the latest version of Skype for web will drop support for Safari. Um, This is on 9 to 5 Mac, might be other places. Um, Actually, they're dropping support for any browsers that aren't uh, powered by the Chromium core. Um, Basically, of course, because they've shifted edge to the Chromium uh, framework. Uh, Boo-hoo. Um, I guess it's sad yeah. that they're dropping uh, support for Safari, but if you've ever used Skype for web, um, why? <laughs> just uh, just I, get a I native app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I never com- compared to, uh, you know, the, the, a Skype app, a native app, it's pretty diabolical. Um, I, I guess if you're traveling and on some uh, coffee shop computer or hotel computer and that's the only way to go, I guess that's... That's it. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I've always used it. If there's an app available, I will generally use the app over a, a web-based version of it. It just works works better for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and as you say, uh, I, I guess if you absolutely had to use it because you needed to use a coffee shop, you know, web internet cafe type computer, but then the chances of it having Safari on it would be minuscule. Yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. forced into using Chrome whether you liked it or not. Um, yeah. There we are. Uh, we've got some tech stories. The big tech story, of course, Warren, is the US Senator Elizabeth Warren says she wants to break up large tech companies. Um, um, well, I mean, she didn't mention Apple by name. She's uh specifically mentioned um of course facebook and google uh but based on what i've read and what lots of other people have said if, if this you know if what she said she wanted to do was to go through there is no way that this would not affect apple um and then in another post i read um she says apple should not be able to both run the app store and offer its own apps um what do we think about that warren have you got any views on that? Uh, I don't even know what the alternative would be. Uh, I mean, so you split them up into two different companies. Uh, I don't know how that would change much. Um, but of course, Apple and Microsoft and Google and um, whoever who has an app store are going to offer and promote their own apps in that app store. That's part of the advantage of coming up with an app store that people want to use. Uh, you, you get that you get that power to do it. Um, the fact that all these app stores um, out there aren't excluding apps that aren't written by their own company makes me think that it doesn't make sense what she's saying. I mean, it's, it's basically an open market. Um, you know, they're going to take a cut of the, uh, of the profits of, from the developers. And, uh, you know, that's, 
fine because that's the only way we're going to have uh, a decent pool of, of 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 apps in these in these stores. Otherwise, um, you know, if, if it doesn't have the numbers of people to go there uh, and the devices and people to market and to uh, to sell and most importantly to sell devices that could uh, have them. Then the this system will fail. This uh the system of the app store will fail. Um, so I mean, I, I, it sounds like a nice campaign thing for people who really don't un understand technology and the way these things are sold. But it doesn't sound like there's a better alternative, and it doesn't sound like it makes any sense to me. How about you? What do you think? Well, I, I. Again, it, at the moment with Facebook, particularly Facebook, we know it's aimed particularly at Facebook and probably Google and, and the you know, the current understandable backlash about the whole freepy thing. Thank you, by the way, Bart, for coining that one. Freepy for mm -hmm. free with pers for personal information. Um, hashtag freepy. Look it up on Twitter, people. Um, and I think it makes a, a great, as you say, a great kind of campaign thing. Um, a lot of people are unhappy with Facebook. A lot of our people are unhappy with Google. Um, so that, you know, oh, let's break up these big tech giants. It, it On the surface, it has, um, you know, it, it can easily resonate. But um, how would you go about that? What are you going to do? I mean, with Facebook, what could you do? You could split off their messaging or, you know, you could say, right, we're going to force you to uh, spin off Instagram back as a, an individual company we you could force them to spin their messaging out as a separate company um i don't know what you would do with google what could you do with google i mean google i suppose they, you, you could split. they already did yeah, yeah they 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 did it already i mean they they split off all their in theory they split off all their sub companies into sub companies of alphabet i guess yeah so uh, yeah, it's one of those things that on the surface sounds nice. I'm not really. I mean, it says here, these companies should be pro prohibited from owning both the platform and participants on that platform. Platform utilities would be required to meet a standard of fair, reasonable, non-discriminatory dealing with users. Um, platform utilities would not be allowed to transfer or share data with third parties. Well, fine. We're all we're all for platform utilities maybe not being able to transfer or share data with third parties without your consent, for sure. Um, from Apple's point of view, um, what what would you do? I mean, I would look at it and say, well, um, I, Apple, if they were put in that position, surely they could simply spin the App Store off in the same way as. Um, FileMaker is a you know a freestanding company, despite effectively originally being um, part of Apple. Um, and then then what are you going to do? You're going to say right, well we're going to make you split the Mac, you know the Mac part of the business into its own corporation or the iPhone. Despite what people think, I mean you know the app uh, the Mac section of of Apple would still be a large company. Might not be you know the size of the iphone division but it would still be a large company and the only yeah. the, the real danger would be the real danger there would be i guess if if you said okay you have to spin out the app store and also allow other app stores to be available you know to ios which would be a bad thing i think um i mean yeah again and i'm not sure what advantage you would have of splitting off i mean from a com we've talked about this before from a com from a consumer 
perspective of Apple splitting off the Mac division um, from Apple would be an exciting uh, thing probably for us consumers because the thought was, uh, this, we talked more about this a couple of years ago when the the Mac line was really stagnant and we're like, okay, what, what do they have to do? And if they split it off into an, a separate company, then maybe they'll go ahead and put more research and, and, and development into this stuff and we'll get some exciting uh, uh, Apple hardware Mac products. Uh, so from a consumer perspective, that's, that's great. But from a economic and political standpoint, I, I mean, Apple's going to get the money Either way, uh, they're still going to be a parent company. I think uh, they're still going to, you know, they could call themselves whatever they want, but it's it's not like the money's going somewhere else at that point. Um, and and essentially, this is what you know when a business does well and becomes big, they they become big, and that's 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 economics. I mean, um, uh, you know, from a, I th- I guess what's happening is people are coming up to her and say. You know, Facebook's sharing my data. They're too big. Nobody could stop them. So, you know, she, she's like, oh, okay, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we make them smaller or, you know, make sure they're not so powerful? Um, you, you know, again, if you had a better idea of, you know, if you had a, if you had a solution, then say the solution. But just to say they're too big, we got to break them up and stop there is not a solution. It's just, it's, it's just a theory. It's an idea. It, it's a nice, it, it, it's a, well, I don't want to get too much into the politics of it, but to me, it sounds very much like a, it, it's a great, you know, um, platforming, grandstanding kind of comment, isn't it? It's, I'm going to build, a, you know, it's in, in, in the same vein as I want to build a lovely wall, you know, um, and it will be 30 foot oh, yeah. high and 2000 miles long. Um, yep. Yep. It, 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 it whether you agree with that or not, it's a you know it's a grandstanding, headline-grabbing, attention-getting kind of platform. But does it have any real meat behind it? I think it. You know, there is a lot of backlash, but most of the backlash in reality comes down to the whole freepy uh, concept. People don't like their personal information being hoovered up and sold off or you know weaponized against them without their without their knowledge or consent um i think realistically certainly in the u.s but you know i mean we've got gdpr here in the eu um but globally really what is needed is better regulation of what companies can do with the personal data they collect um that's the truth. Uh, I mean, Benedict Evans uh, uh, tweeted, um, the idea that Facebook would be killed by owning, unbundling, fragmenting or federating your data reminds me somewhat of the widespread idea in the late 90s that open source in general and uh, Linux on uh, consumer desktops in particular would kill Microsoft. Um, in that it's a great, you know, it's a great slogan, but it often doesn't pan out that way in real life. Um, yep, and, and and you know, from the privacy and from Facebook, definitely, you know, privacy is is an issue, and definitely the getting the data out. And you know, what's been happening is, you know, people say, well, we can't we can't do anything because Facebook is too big, too powerful. There, there's no alternative. 
you know, if people don't, you know, you know, people will say, hey, if you don't want your data getting out from Facebook, don't use Facebook. And, you know, people don't like that answer mm. for, for, for obvious reasons. And the reasons are because it's, it's one of the few places that if you want to do something like Facebook, you have to use something like Facebook. And that's, that's it. So in theory, in a utopian world, if you make Facebook less powerful and then there's other providers that could come up and do the same things and, you know, not, you know, be so big and not need to make so much money and not sell your data, then 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 that's what they want to get to. But in reality, you know, everything starts like that. Facebook started like that. And, you know, you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, we got all these people and we need to make money or else we're not going to be here anymore. And how do you make money? And, you know, the the, uh, the options are advertising, the options are uh, selling things, selling hardware. And the, the option that seems to be working is to, um, you know, share data with uh, advertisers for um, for product placement. And that's you know facebook's thing and that's amazon's thing and that's probably even google's thing and um it makes money and people don't like their data being shared but you know people like google and people like facebook and people like uh apple you know for that matter so you know it's 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 not going to change you know and even if it did change and a small company came up and started to be the new facebook you know after a few years, it's going to be the real Facebook. It's going to be. <laughs> it'll be the new Facebook. Gonna, it'll be the new Facebook, and then they'll want something. You know, then we'll say we'll want something new, and that's how it's going to keep going. Yeah, um, I remember when I was a small boy um, talking about this sort of thing. My my father said, "If you if you divided all the money in the world um, equally amongst every single person." on the planet um the chances are within two years uh it would have ended up back in the same situation where you know one percent of the people own 90 percent of the money because that's just how economics works um yeah. Yeah. if you have something to provide then you know you get the money and if you don't then you don't and that's how that's how the world is uh, that's how money works that's how wealth works it, you know people people get rich generally for reasons and the reason is you have something to offer if you don't have anything to offer then you're not going to get the business and if you do then you are yeah um no i i i'm not saying that nothing should be done obviously um you know tim cook has said that you no know, there should be more government regulation the the problem with government regulation is that often governments have no idea how to go about it and then they go and do stupid things um they use sledgehammers to crack walnuts or drill holes in the bottom of the ship to let the water out you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> um there we are um but i don't know what's to be done and i'm sure um you know people much cleverer than me are still struggling with what's to be done but i don't think a kind of yes let's just break um big companies into smaller companies will do would achieve anything certainly no. wouldn't achieve what um what they think they want to achieve um and again if, if we were politicians and you know we could stand up and say anything you know i want you know i want google to not sell your you know, to not take your data anymore well i could say that and you know that would be my campaign promise but 
it's, it doesn't mean anything. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And how do you achieve that? Yeah. How do you achieve, how do you achieve it? Um, and there we are. Obviously, um, on that front, of course, there are, um, you know, there are people, there are companies who are attempting to, you know, market themselves on a, a new model. There are, there is a certain um, section of the tech community who are beginning to uh, say the way to defeat this kind of creepy um, model is simply to go back to an old fashioned uh, selling you a service model. Uh, you know, uh, Andy Yen described it as, um, I believe he uh, described it as privacy as a service. So, you know, um, Proton Mail basically market themselves on, yes, you know, you pay us a fee per month for your email um, rather than getting it for free. In return, we promise you that it's encrypted and uh, private and nobody is hoovering up your data whilst you use the service. Um, and there are several other companies that are, you know, pitching themselves on that on that premise. So it could be that simply if enough people um, get the hump with the, you know, the whole sucking up your data to power their economic engine, um, people will return to saying, well, I will pay. I'm prepared to pay a few dollars a month to have email that doesn't monitor what I do. You know, I will. Yeah, not a lot, though. People, people are cheap. Yeah, people, people like free, don't they? People like stuff for free. Um, they definitely like stuff for free, and you know, a lot of people out there will, you know, if if Facebook's you know decided to charge to to not do a lot of things they're doing now and decided to charge even a dollar a month, I bet they would lose half their subscribers, you know, for that little amount of money because just people are cheap and people do not want to spend money on on things that. They don't really have to, and uh, Facebook uh, internet sites are one of those things that you know they could forego, um, and they and they know that. Um, but as far as you know, like things like Proton Mail that are selling the security thing, I I just find that funny too because you know there's all these uh, VPN companies out there, and you know VPNs a great thing, and I, I I have Nord myself, but. You know, again, you're, you're, you know, I'm, I don't know, I, I don't know what Nord is. I don't know who they are, you know. Um, and here I am, just paying them some money and, and, and sending all my data through them. So, you know, there's a level of trust in there too. You know, there that... is indeed, there is indeed. It's something that's, you know, we've expressed over and over again. And yes, you know, as VPNs have come into the kind of public eye. Um, it's been revealed over and over again that these cheap VPNs that pop up saying, you know, get a lifetime of protection for just $10 or whatever, uh, are mostly not actually much cop at all, if not actually hoovering up your data for their own purposes. So, yes, you do, you do have to have some trust. Um, well, um, following on from that, I think we'll just cover the uh, Facebook uh, story, I think, uh, Warren, and then... Um, Maybe we'll take a five-minute break for uh, John Nemo, and then we'll come back and cover the last couple of things. But um, while we're talking about uh, Facebook, of course, uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, put up a large post uh, saying about how Facebook is going to pivot um, to be more privacy-focused. Uh, uh, now, of course, if you read that carefully, he's only talking about their messaging systems, so uh, which, of course, he wants to amalgamate into one... Um, conglomerate uh, messaging system behind the behind the scenes um he's saying they're going to 
offer encryption and ephemeral messaging and all the other kind of things that everybody else uh, says, you know, makes your uh, messages private. Um, Tech Pinions had a piece on this, um, which was described as um, Facebook's transition to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, and, of course, the thrust behind that is if uh, if we were even to take, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, protestations about his uh, design to pivot to a privacy-focused vision for social networking, um, then he, you know, creates a, uh, a schism, if you like, within the two parts of Facebook, um, where you have a messaging section, which allegedly is, you know, uh, secure and private and doesn't hoover up your data or monitor what you're doing or all the rest. Um, but then you would have the other part of Facebook, which uh, continues to exist by hoovering up all your data and selling it to advertisers so that they can target you. Um, and that eventually this would create a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Um, it's an interesting read. It's not particularly long. Um, links in there. It's on Tech Opinions by uh, Ben Baharan. Um, what I mean, did you read that at all, Warren? Yeah, I read. Yeah, I read a couple of these stories, and and it's my understanding that yeah, what the Zuckerberg's saying that he wants to consolidate all the messaging apps, or all the message. He wants to encrypt the data, the conversations in the messaging portions of the Facebook owned apps is what's happening. So for, uh, for Instagram and, uh, and for Facebook, uh, as far as messages go, it's going to be, he just wants to make it more secure and he wants to ensure quotation marks, um, the users that this is the most secure way to communicate with each other and to, uh, to be sure that we are not using, um, we are not selling your data. Um, or, or doing anything with that data. Um, probably more of a rib to Google, who's been known to kind of read through your Gmail uh, conversations uh, and target ads based on your uh, your Gmail. Um, and might be also trying to be a comp uh, trying to compete with iMessage in, in a sense where people are pretty comfortable with iMessages being encrypted and, and, and pretty secure and safe. Um, whether and then I also read something where like they maybe even want to get, you know, they're, they're eventually going to stop doing like the wall thing of Facebook altogether, which doesn't make sense to me. You know, the, basically the news stories, the wall, things like that, which is basically the, the main feature of Facebook, or maybe even split that off into a different, you know, two separate platforms or be, well, there it is, I guess, but you could use Messenger in, you could use, mes you could use a Facebook Messenger outside of Facebook, but you can't go the other way. So maybe completely, completely splitting the two, uh, where Messenger is not even associated with with the Facebook uh, pages. Mm. I, I mean, as as Ben says, there's a cynical and an optimistic view to take here. Um, I have my doubts. Facebook can pull this off as one entity. We have to applaud them for recognizing the damage to society that has happened because of Facebook and their attempt to help change things for the better versus continuing business as usual. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, I don't trust Mr. Zuckerberg. Um, you know, he, he comes across all the time and, and portrays this sort of little boy lost. I didn't understand what was going on and how all this could get out of hand. And 
we really want to do the right thing. And then, you know, they continue on down the same path regardless. Um, I, I just, I'm afraid I have no trust in the man at all or, or the creature he has created. Um, that's it, what he's trying to, he's trying to reverse it. So he's, he's trying, you know, he's, he's using almost political headline, you know, headlines to try to convince people that, you know, we're going to change the inherent security values of Facebook. And I don't think he is either. You know, it's kind of stayed the same. They still have to make money, um, for, you know. So, you know, he, his best bet at this point is to be completely honest and, and fully transparent of what the intentions of his products are doing. Uh, and I think that's that's the best way for him to go. And, uh, you know, again, if Google and Facebook come out and say, listen, this is how we make money. This is how things happen. And we're going to continue that until we find another revenue stream. Then that's, that's you know, and, and you could use it if you want to use it. And if you don't, if you don't want to use it, that's that's his that's his best defense at this point for people to continue using the service. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing with Google and, and Google Mail um, is that when they started Google Mail um, or Gmail, um, they were quite open about the fact that in exchange for this free service, your um, your messages would be scanned for keywords and that would be used to put adverts in the sidebar. Um, I haven't used Gmail for, I don't know, some while now, but they used to, you know, used to get those little sort of like um, adverts in the sidebar, uh, you know, like um, almost like classified ads. Um I think they stopped doing that some time ago, to be honest. But um, even Google, uh, and I don't think this really got as much uh, coverage as it, as it deserved, uh, is Google actually said, we're going to stop doing that. We're going to stop scanning your, e uh, your email for keywords, partly because they discovered it was no longer really viable because people don't use email in the same way as they did back when uh, Gmail was launched. And partly just because of the negative PR they were getting for it. So they don't actually do that anymore. They hoover up your data in all sorts of other ways, I'm pretty sure, but they don't do it by reading your email. Um, uh, and then, of course, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg uh, also uh, put up a post um, where he, uh, it's described here as paints a biting contrast between Facebook and Apple on privacy by saying his company has sacrificed business in order to protect its users. Um, the link I've got here is Business Insider. You can probably find it elsewhere. I, this actually made me laugh. Like, I actually outright laughed at this. <laughs> um, he didn't actually mention Apple by name, I'll be honest. Um, what he says, uh, what he said was, um, Mark Zuckerberg appeared to criticise Apple um, by saying... Um, we won't set up data centers in countries with poor human rights records. And this stance has caused us to lose business. It's a trade-off we're willing to make. Um, now, the implication here, of course, is that Apple set up a data center in China so that it could um, continue to offer the iCloud services after China mandated that um, Chinese users' data had to be stored on servers owned by Chinese companies. Um, but um, basically, you know, it's a trade-off we're willing to make to protect our users is a farcical, absolutely farcical comment. 
because um, it's disingenuous at the very best because Facebook is banned in China. The Chinese government does not allow Facebook. It's as simple as that. They've been blocked since, uh, well, for 10 years, I believe. Um, Somebody here said this is a massive shot across Apple and Tim Cook's bow. Uh, No, it's not. It's uh, it's just farcical. Um, To be honest, Mr. Zuckerberg and Facebook have repeatedly approached the Chinese to try and find a way to get into China, and the Chinese government are just not having it because they won't. Um, so to claim that they're, you know, that they're somehow um, holding the moral high ground over Apple there is farcical. It actually made me laugh out loud. It was so... But uh, I guess, you know, a lot of people who don't follow this stuff could be taken in by that sort of, well, let me call it Boulder Dash, as this is a, a clean show. <laughs> Works for me. That's a nice British term, I guess, right? Yeah. Horse feathers, <laughs> as Mr. Chapin might say. Um, there, there you go. Uh, yeah. Um, well, you know, I don't know if you've got any comment to make on that one, really, Warren. I mean, it, I just found it farcical, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it, it is true, but I mean, it, the counterpoint, I guess, if I have one, would be if Apple didn't put the data center in China, they would be banned from China as well as Facebook um, because China is China. Um, you know, it's not a great look for Apple that they had to put their own, uh, they had to put a server in China. I think they also had to do it for Russia not too long ago. Um, but it's business is business. And, you know, you put in your safeguards to, uh, to make sure nothing crazy happens and you know you try to get your product out there and yeah as you said facebook would love to get the, into uh into china but i don't think there's anything that they convince the chinese government that they could make their service um china approved there's nothing uh there's nothing they could do it's the the very the very um, the very um, purpose of Facebook is information sharing, which is basically against what what China wants people to do there. So um, it, it's not going to happen uh, for them. But yeah, it's it, it's a good opportunity for Zuckerberg to say, "Ha ha, uh, we don't uh, we don't we don't do that." Well, yeah, you can't. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, the the thing with Apple is, um. You know, Tim Cook said he wasn't particularly happy about it, but the Chinese had made those the rules, and you know, it's their it's their football, so shut up or go home. Um, and the option was effectively, you know, set up a data center in China, uh, run by a Chinese um, company, um, or close down the iCloud service. Well, if you close down iCloud, then there's nothing particularly special about an iPhone or any Apple product, is there? The, you know, iCloud is an integral part of what makes the Apple ecosphere work. So um, I guess Apple also have a little more clout than Facebook because obviously, you know, all, all that app, all that Apple kit is assembled in China. Um, right. So- That's the other problem. I mean, they can't just pull out of China because they, you know, they, they got factories there and uh, you kind of want to, have a working relationship with uh, the country that is building your products and uh, it's a, it'd be a mess to move them out. So he, you know, that I think, so I guess in, in your opinion, if they didn't have the factories in China, 
and Chinese government came to Tim Cook and said in Apple and said, you know, you need to put a server here. The question is, do you think he still would have done it? I, um, if he, yes, if he didn't I, have the fact. I, th I think he still would because China is a huge market. And, you know, I don't think Apple could afford to forego selling um, Apple products in China. I, I, what I'm saying is that they have um, the, you know, lots of Apple uh, stuff, you know, factories in China or Chinese factories relying on Apple production. That that's a double edged sword. If you like the, the, the boot swings both ways, as it were, because Apple can't afford to upset the Chinese and be kicked out of china but at the same time i suspect the chinese can't afford to overly upset apple because if push came to shove and it would be difficult apple could you know apple could move production to places like brazil or india or you know malaysia there are other places in the world um that might not be you know as integrated or as um efficient as you know getting their stuff produced in shenzhen is right now but or, or america yeah which people want it in here too but it's 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 not easy you know it's it's it would be like you know like forklifting out a you know a, a huge a huge operation out of something that's you know took years and years and years to you know, perfect and get working. It's 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 it would be a huge undertaking for Apple to move that factory oh, to yeah. any other place. Anyway, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not suggesting it's something that could be. You know, it would it would be very damaging. But oh yeah. But when you have a big business relationship like that, it would, you know, if the Chinese push too hard, then Apple could begin to gradually, you know, start pulling their, their manufacturing out. Um, well, uh, you know, for, all we, for all we know, they are, you know, yeah. for all we know, they started that process. And, you know, it wouldn't be the stupidest thing in the world for them to actually, like, silently, quietly, you know, making something somewhere else because, you know, you can't. You can't really put your eggs in one basket, especially when your your basket is China, which is, you know, not the easiest, um, you know, place. Especially nowadays with the political system going on there, it's not the best place to have, uh, you know, stuff being made uh, for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know Tim Cook has in the past said about, um, you know, producing iPhones in in the U.S. For example, and has said that the big, you know, it's not not only that the cost of the labour would possibly be prohibitive, but also that you don't have the pool of, um, you know, you wouldn't actually have a pool of enough skilled people. I mean, I think it's difficult for people to grasp just how huge China really is. Um, yep. Yep. And that they can dedicate, you know. A province the size of a country and say this is this is the shenzhen manufacturing zone and put all these different factories that are all integrated so you've got chip making there and circuit boards there and you know what i mean i, I don't think it's easy for most of us to just grasp how huge that is it's uh but there we go um right well i'll tell you what warren i'm going to grab a cup of tea um and I think we should take five and go over to John in the uh, Nemo's Hardware Store. Uh, and we'll be back in five. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan.
Okay, take it away, John. There's a new audio company called Helm, H-E-L-M. And for $100 in black or in white, you can get the Helm Audio True Wireless Headphones. Full Bluetooth, left and right, in-ear, fairly substantial headphones that fit snugly into your ear with a little tiny rubber extension to make sure they stay in place. The sound quality is very good. Out of the package, they come fully charged. They hold their charge for a few hours, and then you can charge them up again in the case because the case has a battery, which is easy to charge up using any USB plug brick or source. Terrific Bluetooth wireless range. So you don't need to be anywhere near your iPhone or your iPad while you're out exercising out in your yard or around your property or around your school, wherever you happen to be. It's a good long distance. Be very careful when you first turn them on because I have found it makes much more sense to turn them on and off with them out of your ear. You'll see that on the written instructions that you get because they fit so snugly that the ear tip, the part that inserts into your ear canal, easily get pressed in and damage your ear. Don't do that. Turn them on and off in your hand. You'll be able to hear them tell you that the helm is on or the helm is off. The pairing is a little tricky at first until you get used to the timing of turning the right one on, then turning the left one on, then pairing it to your device, then giving a chance for the right and the left to communicate with one another. You'll figure that out. For $100, these are good value. They come with several different tips, so you will definitely be able to find one that fits your ear. They're water-resistant, not waterproof. They've got the built-in mic for phone calls and voice assistant, FaceTime and stuff like that. Rain, sweat, and mud-approved with IPX4 water resistance. Outstanding noise isolation from the physical fit in your ear. You can't hear much of anything. So don't ride these bicycling on the road, please. They use Bluetooth 4.1 and you can read all the specs and the links that we will have on our show notes. I was very impressed as I listened for the first and second time, clarity of the bass and the overall uncolored accuracy of the sound. I think that will only get better with the more that I listen to them. The case itself is a nice little egg-shaped case. Very, very well designed. They've put a lot of thought and care into these $100 premium quality, but not premium price, full Bluetooth wireless earbuds. So have a look at the website, follow the links, give it a try. I think you will be very pleased. This is the third or the fourth or the fifth set of these true wireless headphones that I've tried. Some of them sound good, but they don't feel right. They slip out of my ear or they're uncomfortable. Others feel fine, but the sound is crummy. These are the ones that I'm actually going to use and recommend personally because of the great fit, the good design, the fine audio, battery life, amazing Bluetooth range. So well done, Helm Audio, on your introductory product. And let's have a lot more from you in the future. That's it for Nemo's Hardware Store this week. Thank you, John. And as ever, the uh, links for those products will be in the show notes. Um, 
Well, we've been going a moderate amount of time, Warren, so I think we'll just skim over the last few stories and wind the show up, if that's all right with you. Uh, that sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Um, what have we got? Uh, Flickr have unveiled a new login, which has ditched the uh, Yahoo system. Um, link for this is uh, from Petapixel. Um, I think Mac Jim in the uh, in the Slack room brought this one up, but um, it's not really surprising. Obviously, when Yahoo uh, purchased Flickr, they insisted that you uh, have a Yahoo account in order to continue to log in to Flickr. Um, Yahoo have uh, sold Flickr to um, somebody else. I forget their name. Um, and they, unsurprisingly, have uh, now ditched the um, Yahoo login and uh, unveiled their own new login, which allows you to switch to any email address of your choice. So it's uh, probably... That's a good thing. I always hate it. I do have Flickr. I got a, I got a pro account a long time ago, and I guess I'm grandfathered into this thing with this pretty low price plan of unlimited full res storage. Um, I think I pay something silly like ten dollars a year or something like that. Um, so and but I didn't see anything as far as the login goes. But I always hated logging in with uh, Yahoo because I. I hate Yahoo, so that's good news. <laughs> yeah. So that's good news for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? So that that was just a quick a quick uh, con. Uh, Corning. Um, you might have heard this being mentioned elsewhere. Uh, Corning are working on flexible glass, uh, which can be bent around. Um, a, a, I believe. Um, a sort of a diameter as small as a pencil. Um, not. It's not ready for you know prime time yet, but. Uh, Obviously, with this uh, possible fad of folding devices, um, which, of course, are uh, reliant at the moment on plastic covers. Um, and by the way, uh, it would appear that uh, Samsung have already admitted that their um, their folding device starts to suffer a problem after 10,000 folds. Um, they're talking about possibly allowing people to have free screen replacements if you buy one of their $2,000 folding prototypes. <laughs> um, there we go. Corning are working you, on flexible. How do you even... How? How? How do you fold glass? <laughs> well, you can, it's not actually foldable. It's bendable. Um, it's flexible. Let's put it that way. I've seen it. Well, it's super thin. It's super thin. Um, apparently super tough. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. I don't know the exact. Um, I don't know the exact technique. It's obviously very clever indeed. Um, yeah, I've seen photographs. If you if you follow the link, there is a photograph of it of a piece of the glass folded back over itself, and it's probably bent over what would be I don't know, you know, the sort of roundness of your small finger or something like that. Um, yeah, I see. Yeah. So, Pretty cool. Yeah, cool. not folded in half by any extent, but certainly um, glass has got to be better than any sort of plastic. Um, there we go. A technology to keep your eye on, I guess, if uh, if folding devices become a thing. Um, a company called Luminary, this is, this is about a week old, this one. Luminary is aiming to become the Netflix of podcasts. This was on uh, Business Insider, but it was also everywhere else. Um, basically, they're saying that they, uh, you know, want to suck up uh, a lot of podcasts and become a paid-for service in the, you know, um, in the model of Netflix. Uh, I had some thoughts about this. One is I don't think that's a very good idea. Two, um, they're saying they want to, you know, get exclusives with star 
podcast producers. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but I thought those don't really sound like um, what I would call podcasts. They sound like professional audio programming um, rather than video programming. Um, yeah, I mean, like I, like we said before, people are cheap and podcasts are free now, and there's plenty of ways to get them. So I, I know that I would not be interested in paying for a service for a podcast, especially if you could get them everywhere else. And as you said, if it's some kind of exclusive content thing, then it's not really, is it even a podcast anymore? So No, exactly. Um, Marco, uh, Marco Armand, of course, of Overcast, uh, tweeted, they'll have to get you through you and me first if we all keep listening in standard podcast apps using the open RSS-backed podcast ecosystem instead of joining proprietary walled gardens, nobody can ruin what we have. Uh, I think I I think I uh, agree with that. To be honest. So yep. there you go. If you so. if you believe in podcasts, don't go paying some stupid Netflix of podcasts company. Um, or if you do, if you you know if you're interested in whatever content they have, which isn't really podcasts, uh, that's fine. But um, keep listening to your other podcasts the normal way. Um, the Dutch data watchdog. Uh, says nay to take it or leave it consent uh, for cookie uh, cookies. Um, this was on the register. Um, the Dutch uh, watchdog um, has said that, uh, as far as they're concerned, the GDPR uh, does not allow uh, websites to basically uh, present you with a "we use cookies, I consent, and if you click no, I don't," basically chucking you out. Um, not sufficient according to the dutch and if the dutch say that i'm pretty sure the rest of the eu will follow that model uh which means uh quite rightly no you cannot be effectively be forced to consent to cookies and trackers uh there we go that's uh one up for the dutch i think um and uh the web has just gotten official pass free password free login standard um which is called web Something really stunning like WebAuth. Yeah, WebAuth. Really, there we go. Um, Maybe not a very exciting story. Uh, WebAuth. Sorry, I'll say that again. Web authentication, aka WebAuthn, has been a de facto standard for no password web sign in for a while, given that many tech giants already use it, but it is now official. The World Wide Web Consortium and Fido Alliance uh, of the you know USB key dongle uh, UTF uh, thingies have finalised the web authentication format, making it the go-to option for logging into accounts with potentially greater security and convenience than typing in your credentials. Um, when a site supports it, you can get in using biometrics, fingerprints, facial recognition, USB security keys or a nearby mobile device such as a phone or smartwatch. Uh, The technology links unique encrypted login details to each website, reducing the risks of phishing, keystroke logging, and other attacks. Uh, It's theoretically more private than when these same unique credentials, uh, which prevent the -the across-the-web tracking. Mm, Okay, I'm not sure I read that correctly, but anyway... Uh, you don't have to wait for the software you use to support web authentication as it's really already supported on a system level in Android, Chrome OS and Windows 10. 
um, as well as common browsers including Chrome, Edge, Firefox and Safari. Uh, the greater challenge will be convincing the sites themselves to use this method. Um, there are many, many web pages and not all of them will be in a rush to ditch passwords. Um, an official standard could still boost adoption if just by reassuring the site operators that web authentication won't vanish overnight. So there you go. Um, I'm pleased to hear that, to be honest. Um, yeah, more security and more good. More Nothing good. wrong with it. Just need to, yep. uh, basically, I, I think, you know, give it a while. And if uh, a site that you are a regular user of doesn't start offering it, badger them and ask them why they don't. Um, where else? I don't think we've got much else. So I did say that we were just going to skim over the quick, uh, the quick stories. Um, last one, the last one, which is just a snippet. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Lego have basically um, kind of trolled um, Samsung and uh, Huawei with an advert uh, featuring its own foldable. Um, they've done uh, uh, an advert effectively um, showing. Um, what is in effect, uh, they've called it the Lego Fold, which is actually um, a pop-up book set. But it's been um, done in the style of uh, Samsung's marketing. Um, <laughs> Lego, cute. yeah, it is quite cute. Lego is quick to point out that it's foldable beats Samsung's because it has a 5-inch cover, which unfolds into an 11-inch storybook screen um, compared to, Apple, uh, to Samsung's 4.6-inch in exterior and 7.3 inch interior uh the lego fold beats the uh battery life with <laughs> with a, a unbeatable promise that it never runs out of battery um <laughs> and, 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 it, and it's made in denmark rather than uh china so you know it's good that's it um samsung's exterior is made of aluminium instead of abs plastic which lego is using um <laughs> It says Android 9 Pie OS promises to be more useful than Lego seemingly single purpose bricks. Although users with experience uh, with the Lego platform will likely be able to find new and novel ways to reconfigure things to their liking. <laughs> Very good. Um, Lego's version costs way less than $2,000 and comes in at $70. There we go. It's, it's actually a real thing. It's oh, yes. Yes, it is a yeah. real thing. It's um, it's yes, it's a pop up storybook. Um, set which is very clever in its own, in its own right actually um but yep. a very a very clever little piece of marketing uh by lego there to uh um and the link there you can find that on the verge or no doubt you can search for it elsewhere lego fold it's called um maybe i have to get it yeah <laughs> yeah there we go um i i think that's pretty much all of the stories um oh one more um i will just mention um in case you didn't know um, Skylum are giving away a copy, or will be giving away copies of Photo Lima 2, which is the previous version, I admit, um, when their video on YouTube uh, reaches 100,000 views. I think it's 45,000 views at the minute. Um, and if you go there, view it and uh, sign up, when it reaches 100,000, they will gift you a free copy of Photo Lima 2, if you're interested in that. Uh, link in the show notes, of course. Uh, and I, I know you've uh, got to get off, Warren, so we'll wrap it up there, I think. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate it. No problem. And uh, so would you like to pimp anywhere that you can be found? Um, 
yeah, just um, I know we uh, we all give our opinions on Facebook, but I do spend my time there. Um, there is a group that we have called Mac to the Future, um, and it's uh, basically just an Apple-centric, technology-centric um, Facebook group. So you're welcome to search Mac to the Future, and if it's a picture of macaroni and cheese, it's not the right one. If it's <laughs> it's a picture of a computer or Apple product, then that's the one. Go ahead and join. Um, and other than that, yeah, no, nowhere, nowhere else. Just there. Okie dokie. Well, uh, in that case, I am, of course, on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, you can find the show at www.essentialapple.com where we put all of our stuff. You can also find us over at uh, mymac.com, of course. And, uh, well, I think for now that will do. So thanks for coming on again, Warren. And this is where we go. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. My gal pals, Elisa, Susie, and Vicky, the three geeky ladies, told me to remind you that they will release a new podcast each month. So, check them out at threegeekyladies.com or subscribe in iTunes. The Three Geeky Ladies, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network. the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.